The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who at Thanksgiving will get all the ham he wants. Welcome, Jacob. And I will be stuffed as a pig. Like a goldfish in her ham. Exactly. <laughs> Why, thank you. Let me do our co-host, a man who... Ugh. Falls in love with the strangest women. What we do? You know, at this point... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, tonight we're reviewing Studio Ghibli's Hayao Miyazaki's Honyo, mm-hmm. which is the first one of the Studio Ghibli films I got to see in a theater. Yeah. And one of only two I saw that where Disney was still the one distributing them. Uh, so, yeah, we are reviewing that tonight. Uh, you ready to go ahead and jump into a spoiler free section on this? Yeah, let's do that. All righty. Certified fresh and spoiler free. This is my second viewing of this film. Okay. I only got to see it once originally, and I was a little bit late. A little bit late? I was a little bit late. Uh, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Drew dodging late? Believe it or not. Uh, it was a last-minute decision, and then I had to drive to the other side of Tyler from Lindale. Oh, okay. At the time. Gotcha. And I was about... Well, I didn't make it into the theater until um, Ponyo was running on top of the fish. Oh, wow. Yeah. You were real late. I don't one. know how I was that late, to be honest, and why I didn't just... No, I know what it was. I was running a little bit late, and I assumed, and I wasn't really worried about it because I assumed, oh, it's going to be 20 minutes worth of trailers mm-hmm. and commercials. I got nothing to worry about. Apparently, there wasn't. You were wrong, sir. I was apparently wrong. So, uh, yeah, technically, the first third of this film was my first viewing of it. Wow. Uh <laughs> It's actually a pretty nice, calm story. Yes. Uh, kids can definitely watch it. No trouble there. <laughs> uh, and it's just kind of a, it, 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 it's a magical, t- it's trying to, it's got kind of that Totoro mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. It does. I don't think it quite gets there, mm. but uh, mostly because I'm, I'm not a big fan of the kids in this. They do a good enough job, but you yeah. can you you can tell they are, especially with some of the lines when they're having to say these scientific names of ancient fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were being coached very much of along course. the entire way, so the acting on the kids was not exactly perfect. But for the most part, it fits what the characters are doing. Exactly. So it's it's a good film. It's not my favorite. Fair, but I, I, it, it's a good one. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh. First time watching this film, the grain I had heard of it before, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Okay, this is weird." This was 2010. Uh, 
that's your part of it. Uh, yes, 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 yes. I should look at my notes, but I, I didn't. I think it's in my trivia. Uh, hang on. No, hold on. 2008, sorry. 2008, yeah. Sorry, 2008, it, 2008. It wasn't long after Tales from Earth was released in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had heard about this in 2009, 2010, and uh, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Not not my cup of tea. It looks a little odd. Um. So then, you know, obviously we started doing Ghibli Month, mm-hmm. and this is our fifth year, fourth, fifth year? We're on our fourth year. Yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll be, we're coming up on our fifth anniversary in February. That is true. So... Uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Drew, uh, Gracie allowed me to borrow the Blu-ray and, uh, it was, it was fun. I was very, it was very much Studio Ghibli, mm-hmm. Hayao Miyazaki, you know, storytelling, uh, dealing with kids, kid characters. And, uh, the, it was just very enjoyable to dare to say the word cute. It was a very cute film and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So yeah. All righty. You have anything else before we jump into the spoiler filled section? Uh, I have no words. Let's go. All righty. The following is a spoiler filled review for the film Ponyo. Listener discretion as advised. Gake no Ue no Ponyo, literally Ponyo on the cliff, was written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. And his, the English script was by Melissa Matheson. I don't have to tell you who how Miyazaki has done at this point, do I? No. It is loosely inspired by The Little Mermaid by Walt Disney. I could tell. And which makes it technically also loosely inspired on The Little Mermaid from Hans Christian, Christian Anderson. Anderson. Yes. Technically. Technically. Uh, getting into the cast, Ponyo was played by Noah Cyrus, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Miley Cyrus's little sister. Miley Cyrus? Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus, okay. And she had many cameo appearances in Hannah Montana. Yes, she did. Sosuke was played by Frankie Jonas, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the youngest Jonas brother? The fourth Jonas brother, apparently. The one that wasn't in the band? Yeah. That's what I thought. Although he is in the show, apparently. Don't give me a lion. I didn't watch it either. I just remembered seeing that <laughs> on there. But his biggest role looked to be Junior in the movie The Reef Too High Tide. Which I've know. never seen either one. It sounds like a Disney. Disney it's not. Disney. It's a straight to DVD thing. Really? Yes. Okay. Never mind. A, it looks like a knockoff of, of uh, Finding Nemo. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the sequel that to came out long before uh, Finding Dory did. Gotcha. So Lisa. Yes. There is her name is Lisa, although in Japan it would have probably been pronounced more as Risa. Risa, yeah, yeah. It was played by Tina Fey. Yeah, and she was Roxanne Ritchie in Megamind. Mm-hmm. Sure. Koichi, that's uh, the father. Uh, the father, uh, Sosuke's father, mm-hmm. was played by Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. And the United States has spent much money, a lot of money, uh, saving <laughs> him. Because he keeps getting into situations. Yeah. One way or another. One way or another. But he also played Carol Shelby in Ford versus Ferrari. Oh my gosh. I love that film. And so the good. more and the more that movie gets praised, the better. Yeah, exactly. Go watch it. It's a good movie. Now, if I said the name Grand Mamare, would you know who I'm talking about? Grand Mamare. I don't think they actually said this character's name in the movie. At I, least in the version we watched. 
when you said that, I heard Grand Moth talking. That's what I heard. No, it's I, I know that. it's what you meant, but automatically no, it's where my head is went. Ponyo's mother, aka the giant sea goddess. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. they call her like the sea goddess. That's all they're the goddess of mercy. Goddess of mercy. Point. Yeah, the goddess of mercy yeah. is like, okay. Well, she, she was played by Kate Planchett. Kate Planchett. Yes. Okay. Who was Gladriel in Lord of the Rings? Yes. And uh, I may have had a crush on Kate Planchett for a while. <laughs> anyway. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Fujimoto, aka Ponyo's father. Yes. Apparently. I don't want to know how this works. Uh, was played by Liam Neeson. Yes. And he played Brian Mills in the film Taken. And well, Qui-Gon Jinn, of course, in Star and... Wars. And Batman begins. Oh yeah, Rachel Gould. Rachel Gould. I'm sorry, I don't. Re- I haven't seen Batman Begins in a long time. Aslan. I forgot he was Ra's al Ghul. Yes, he played Aslan, the 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 the, the, the so, yes, Chronicles of Narnia. He played God. Let's move on. <laughs> well, he played Jesus. Yeah, yeah Jesus. Jesus. He played technically Jesus. Aslan is supposed to be Jesus. Yeah, he's and an if you don't believe Jesus. me, actually read the end of. Voyage of the Dawn Treader, where he goes from being a lion to a lamb at the very end. Yeah. Gee, the Christian imagery is not painfully obvious in this It's franchise. painted so thick. It's not like you can't get, get it off. Right. <laughs> Tur- Tur- off. Yeah. Toki, the uh, angry old woman. Oh, yeah, the skeptic. Yeah. I, I had to double check all these, make sure I was saying the right name. Yes, yes. yes. Was played by Lily Tomlin, who mm. played Aunt May in the, in this, into the Spider-Verse film. Oh, okay. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yoshi, the kinder old woman, yeah, was played by Betty White. Yes, Betty Miller. But Betty Miller, <laughs> Bet- <laughs> not Barney Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Bet not Bet Miller. That's yeah. who you. That's the only thing. Bet Miller entirely. I, I know that. It's not even connected. No, it's <laughs> played, not. Anyway, she was Rose Nyland in the Golden Girls yes. television show. Mm-hmm. And then Kayo, who was. The one you probably don't remember because she she was there, but and she was kind of nice with Yoshi and all that. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of just the other one. Yeah. She was played by Cloris Leachman. Hit it. Who play in Young Frankenstein played Frau Blucher. <laughs> yes, the joke is continued. <laughs> and that brings me to Kingdom Hearts Connections. Ah. Care to take a guess how many? Let's see this movie. And don't forget that Mm. since this is an anime, I must remind you that I include the Japanese voice cast as well. All right. So this was 80, 1990, or no correction, 2008. 2008. Not that I know how the year helps you. No, but like, (laughs) no, but it's, it's more, it's, I'll probably go with six. You are so close. It's not even funny. Am I up or down? If we were only counting the English cast, you would have it right on the ball. Wow! But because so of the Japanese, sick. there you ha- you are uh, you only have you, you need to go up. Okay, seven. Yes. Okay. So D Brad D Bradley Co- Baker, yeah, D Bradley Cooper was additional yeah, voices right. in this. And he is Waka in Kingdom Hearts. Waka Waka. The one that told us officially that you pronounce Titus's name Titus yeah. for the first time. And I still say that's wrong. <laughs> Jess Harnell, Waka Warner, as we most most well know him. Hello, 
Scarlet Nurse. He was additional voices in this and played Dr. Finkelstein, Locke, and additional voices in Kingdom Hearts. Ah. Courtney Draper mm -hmm. was the young mother in this. I'm not sure which young mother. I don't know if it's the one with the baby halfway through the film. Yeah. I, I think it is. And uh, she was additional voices in Kingdom Hearts. Crispin Freeman was additional voices here. Okay. And he played Setzer Garbani and Will Turner in Kingdom Hearts. Mm. Madison Davenport played a schoolgirl in Ponyo and a nameless star in Kingdom Hearts. A nameless star. Yeah, that's the one that confused me. As much mm. as I've played Kingdom Hearts, and I know this is a Kingdom Hearts 3 thing, yeah. I have no idea what nameless star means. Mm. So that's when I'm going to have to look Oh up. my gosh. Yeah, it's it it threw me. stumped on something it, Kingdom Hearts connected. I'm just saying it threw me. Okay. Uh, and then Carlos Alazarqui, I probably said that name wrong, was addition of voices in this and was Mike Wazowski in Kingdom Hearts. Mike Skowski. Lastly, in the Japanese dub of Ponyo in mm -hmm. Kingdom Hearts, we have Tomi Katoka, who was additional voices in this and played Kanga, Kanga, Kanga and Shinzi in Kingdom Hearts. Who's Shinzi? The uh, the one, the, the uh, hyena that was played by Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, in our that's right. You, when I said the name, they're like, it's, it's, I almost went to say Shinji from like the next no, no, season no, that, we're that's, actually that, reviewing. That's, that's not till December. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the robot, Shinji. Yeah. But that's what I'll, I've got for Kingdom Hearts Connections. Uh, right. What do we have in info and stuff? All right. So, info and stuff IMDb, it has a 7.6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes is a uh, 95%. You can watch it on Max, produced by Studio Ghibli, of course. Distributed originally by Toho in Japan. Uh, here in the United States, originally it was for Walt Disney Studios and then was uh, relicensed to G Kids here in the United States. Its release date in Japan was July 19th, 2008. And in here in the United States and abroad was released August 14th, 2019, 2009. Uh, runtime has an hour and 45 minutes. So box office starting. It's with, a very quick hour and forty five. Yeah, it's very just say. it just pops along. So box office, uh, the film was released by Toho on obviously the same date in theaters around Japan, on four hundred eighty one screens, a record for a domestic film. Uh, let's see. It be it has it had beat out Pokemon. I'm gonna butcher this name. Uh, Let me see. Looks like Giratina. Giratina. Giratina and the Sky Warrior, which had opened the same day. It grossed 10 billion yen or not 91 million dollars in its first months of release and total um total on its total of 15 billion yen or 153.1 million dollars in the United States money as of November 9th, 2008. Going, uh, it had an estimated budget of 34 million dollars. Its opening weekend for the United States, Canada had 3.5 million on August 16th, 2009. Its gross for U U.S. and Canada was. $15.7 million and overall um, international gross would 200, $204.9 million. 
Uh, home release. It re- was released on blue, on DVD and Blu-ray, as <clears throat> as well as a DVD plush toy pa- pack on March second, two thousand ten. I don't believe there is going to be a sequel to this. There isn't. However, this was the first one where one was considered. Okay. But we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. All right. Getting into the summary. Fujimoto, a once human wizard, lives underwater with his daughter, Brunhilda, and her numerous smaller sisters. While she and her siblings are on an outing with their father in his four-flippered submarine, Brunhilda sneaks off and floats away on the back of a jellyfish. After an encounter with a fishing trawler, she becomes trapped in a glass jar and drifts to the shore of a small fishing town where she is rescued by a five-year-old boy named Sosuke. While shattering the jar with a rock, Sosuke cuts his finger. Brunhilde licks his blood, healing the wound almost instantly. Sosuke names her Ponyo and promises to protect her. Meanwhile, a distraught Fujimoto searches frantically for his lost daughter, whom he believes to have been kidnapped. He calls his wave spirits to recover her, leaving Sosuke heartbroken and confused by what happened. Ponyo refuses to let her father call her by her birth name, declaring her desire to be a human named Ponyo. She magically begins changing into a human, a power granted to her by Sosuke's human blood that she licked. Fujimoto forces her back into her true form and leaves to summon Ponyo's mother, Grandmamare. Meanwhile, Ponyo, with the help of her sisters, breaks away from the father and inadvertently uses his magic to make herself human. The huge amount of magic that she releases into the ocean causes an imbalance in nature, resulting in a tsunami. Ponyo goes back to Sosuke, who is amazed and overjoyed to see her. His mother, Lisa, allows her to stay at their house. Lisa leaves after the tsunami subsides to check up on the residents of the nursing home where she works, promising Sosuke that she will return home as soon as possible. Grandma Mare arrives at Fujimoto's submarine. Sosuke's father, Koichi, sees her traveling and recognizes her as the goddess of mercy. Mm. Fujimoto notices the moon appears to be falling out of its orbit and satellites are falling like shooting stars, symptoms of the dangerous imbalance of nature that now exists. Mm. Grandma Mare declares that if Sosuke can pass the test, Ponyo can live as a human and the balance of nature will be restored. Fujimoto, still worried, reminds her that if Sosuke fails the test, Ponyo will turn into sea foam. Mm. The next day, Sosuke and Ponyo find that most of the land around the house has been covered by the ocean. Since it is impossible for Lisa to come home, the two decide to find her. With Ponyo's magic, they make Sosuke's pop-pop boat bigger to traverse the waters, seeing marine life from the late Devonian period and more people on boats. While they re- when they reach the forest, however, Ponyo tires and falls asleep. When the boat slowly reverts back to its original size, Sosuke drags Ponyo to the shore where he finds Lisa's abandoned car. As they continue walking, Ponyo's mis- Ponyo mysteriously reverts to her fish form. Meanwhile, Lisa and the residents of the nursing home are temporarily able to breathe water because of Grandma Mare. Ponyo and Sosuke encounter Fujimoto, who warns the boy on the imbalance of nature and begs him to return Ponyo to him. Despite their attempt to flee, they are captured and Fujimoto takes them down to the protected nursing home. Mm. Sosuke reunites with Lisa and meets Grandma Mare, who, with whom Lisa has just had a long private conversation. Grandma Mare asks him if he can love Ponyo, whether she is a fish or human. Sosuke confirms that he does. She tells, she then tells her daughter that if she chooses to become human once and for all, she will have to give up her magical powers. Ponyo agrees and is encased in a bubble given to Sosuke, who is instructed to kiss it to complete Ponyo's transformation. As the balance of nature is restored, the previously stranded ships head back to port. Fujimoto respects his daughter's choice, having decided he can trust Sosuke. Ponyo then 
joyfully jumps high in the air and kisses Sosuke, completing her transformation into a human. Mm. Getting into the trivia for this one. This is the first animated feature film since Princess Mononoke in 1997 to be created and painted on traditional animation cells. Really? Yeah. Hmm. There is no computer involved in this until compositing. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And yeah, Princess Mononoke was the last one, period, before this, because everything wow. else in the world had yeah. switched to digital, digital mm -hmm. by that time. The opening 12 seconds involving vast schools of fish and undersea creatures mm -hmm. required 1,613 pages of conceptual sketches to develop. I'm not surprised. Right. Toki, the bitter old lady in the rest home, is an affectionate homage to Miyazaki's mother, hmm. as, as was the mother in My Neighbor Totoro. That makes sense. Hayao Miyazaki drew most of the sea and wave imagery himself, experimenting with making it expressionistic as possible. John Lasseter had said that he had never seen water animated so beautifully before. Sosuke is based on Hayao Miyazaki's son, Goro Miyazaki, when he was five years old. Hmm. Hayao Miyazaki stated at the 2009 San Diego Comic-Con that he was inspired to create the film after watching Disney's animated, animated adaptation of The Little Mermaid in 1989. That makes sense. The design of the ocean waves during the typhoon caused by Ponyo were inspired by the waves in the famous woodblock print, The Wave of Kanagawa by Japanese mm -hmm. artist Hokusai. And I probably said those names wrong. My apologies. When Lisa sings, I'm happy as can be, in the Japanese version, it is to the tune of the My Neighbor Totoro theme song. Oh, okay. you can't hardly hear it in the English version. No, you can't. In the Japanese version, that is what how how it is how she sings uh, that. I gotcha. Hayao Miyazaki was surprised by the lukewarm reaction of children to his film and test screenings. Really? Mm hmm. That is interesting. The image of Grand Mamare floating through the water on her back was inspired by John Everett Malaz's painting of Ophelia from Shakespeare's Hamlet. Okay, cool. When Ponyo offers food to a baby. This scene shows audiences members, audience members that Ponyo can be selfless and live in the human world. Hayao Miyazaki developed this scene late in production when he was st stuck on how to end the film. Hmm. When Sosuke goes to school, you can see the mother and baby uh, when Ponyo offers tea and sandwiches later in the movie. Their first appearance is when the teacher tells the mother not to worry about her baby's cold. That's right. Lastly, after Ponyo becomes human, she first cre creates giant tsunami waves and runs on them all all the time as part of her magic. However, when Ponyo makes Sosuke's boat bigger, she runs outside with Sosuke to put the boat in the water. When she first runs outside, you can see her walking a few feet out of the house onto the water, but after taking a few steps out, she then sinks into the water. Mm -hmm. This shows that Ponyo's magic is weakening later in the movie. And that's what I've got on for uh, trivia. Okay. So what is your first like for this film? Uh, let's see. My first like would be just the brilliant imagination. This, mm -hmm. this has all the hallmarks of a Miyazaki film. It has me like you think of my neighbor Totoro. You think I think of uh, Princess Mononoke. Uh, and then you kind of condense that down into just how cute can you make something? <laughs> and it's just that. <laughs> it's a Ponyo. And uh because be like down from character design to world building, uh, it is very lively. It's very bubble, you know, mm -hmm. not to use the pun of the word bubbly, but it is, it is the 
use it it fits yeah it does it does never um, apologize for your puns <laughs> but um I feel like it is it is a it is a very deep rich world of color and vibrancy that gives you all this amazing like visual candy to look at mm-hmm. and it doesn't disappoint in your visuals doesn't uh, disappoint in the imagination of the world and i just i'd be like it's one of those films it's like okay now i'm stuck where's this movie going because it is so freaking beautiful yeah uh, breathtaking to look at. So, yeah, brilliant imagination. My first like for this film is the absolutely beautiful hand-drawn animation seen throughout the entire yes. film. Yes, every single frame of this being hand-drawn animation mm-hmm. at a time when hand-drawn animation had become a lost art. Yeah, for the most part, because. Like we said, the, pre- the previous one that had hand-drawn animation was in 1997 yeah. with uh, Princess Mononoke. Happens mm-hmm. to be the same studio, but that's more coincidence and probably uh, Miyazaki's hard-headedness at the time yeah. uh, <laughs> for that reasoning. But it is so beautiful in how they handled this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Every single frame of this, I mean, there's so much detail. Uh-huh. In every single image. Now, yes, there is water co- watercoloring used in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of this it's that is beautiful. It looks and more it, like crayon. It does kind of look more like crayon, but it has to have been done like a watercolor yeah. sort of a thing. I don't that's the one thing I'm not sure about is if the backgrounds were hand drawn or if they were digital. Mm. I think they would have been digital. They almost look like they would have been digital, but I also could see that being uh hand painted backgrounds. But I'm not gonna say I'm not sure. I couldn't find information on whether the backgrounds were or not. But either way, some of the effects, like the transform Ponyo's transformation from hum- fish to human, yeah, the three times we see it, mm-hmm. uh, the her sisters turning into the giant fish for her to run on mm-hmm. during the tsunami. Uh, Good night. The the. Uh, sequence of them trying to drive uh, of uh, lisa trying to drive that car back up oh, the hill yes. while the tsunami wave is crashing behind oh, her oh yeah so good and you're going that's all hand drawn uh-huh that is crazy now granted this is the kind of thing you look at like say porco rosa which yes. is the, the closest i can think of to something yes. like this maybe well, well uh, the the fights fight scenes in uh, Princess Mononoke, yes, where it have been about like this. Uh, when you, you look at it and you're thinking, there's no way at that point you take that in as a you take it for you almost took it for granted mm-hmm. because of course that's how they did it. Yeah, but then you look at this and you go, how would they do that by hand? I mean, I I get it. They're artists. They mm-hmm. drew the whole thing. They had to have been some planning and trying to figure out uh, all that stuff. But of course. It's just done so beautifully mm-hmm. that I am surprised that no one's tried to go back and do like hand-drawn animation on the regular since then, with the exception of the video game Cuphead. Yeah. But either way, this is such a beautifully animated film, and I love that it's hand-drawn. Absolutely. So what's your second like? Mine, I kind of touched on the the ver- my, my first like. As I, I I put in my quote, the cuteness factor is overloaded in this film. It I mean, it, it has. Would you say it's over nine thousand? 
end. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> so it, it's one of those where Miyazaki, like like I said in my first, like be like you take all the brilliance of Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli and you condense it down into like a, a cuteness factor, and that's what this movie is. Mm-hmm. It has this this charm of childlike innocence and childlike wonder, and you have these two very very uh, adorable children characters who are acting like children yeah they're they're not like adults who are trying to pretend they're kids because they're actually voiced by kids yes and i i found i found that very appealing to have like uh voice actors who sound like their kids because they are children Mm -hmm. because you have so often be like you'll have like uh tara strong who's uh being a voice for a character and she does she does well, and make, very well. She does you, very well. But the thing is, we all know her voice now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then when you hear like an authentic, like a child's voice coming through a character, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. it has authenticity. 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 No. Authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah. It has an authenticity about it. And uh, I really appreciate that when they do that. Because uh, they are going to be like, you get an adult who's, you know, trying to play a kid and it's like, it's like, okay, that's good, but it doesn't quite sound like a kid. It sounds mm-hmm. like an adult trying to sound like a kid, and it doesn't right. really work sometimes. Unless you're Tara Strong, you just sound like a kid. Uh, you sound like a like a young girl or a young boy. But uh, I, I I enjoyed that the that uh, that aesthetic of it, and just the like the world itself. It has this very overwhelmingly um, childlike wonder to it. And how these two little five-year-olds are uh, navigating the world of this now flooded region, mm-hmm. which is absolutely—it's like okay, that's cool. Yeah, definitely in the the little boat that who's the uh, the the what's the boy's name? Uh, Sosuke. Sosuke. Like Sosuke's a little boat, and it's just it's done very well, and it's it's not trying to uh, like there again Miyazaki films—they don't have characters who really fall in love with each other. They have be like, oh, be like, you're be like, we we kind of have the special connection or we're best friends or something like that. And in this movie, it's no exception. It's two characters who uh, are friends and who care about each other and they want to make sure that the, their best interests are put in for the other. And I really enjoy that where you have nowadays in modern um, modern movies that it is always oh, I'm dating, I want to get married, I want to do mm-hmm. something else. So rather than be like just a general general friendship or a general be like, hey, I actually care about you and I want to make sure that you are taken care for and provided for uh, is is very heartwarm, heartwarming to see nowadays. And I just really enjoy this, like the, the way they, the, the, the general cuteness of this film. So and it, it's heartwarming. Heartwarming mm-hmm. to see a movie like this. So yeah. Cuteness factor overload. <laughs> What's your number two? Uh my number two, and I think I kind of blew the wad when I with my number one in a okay. way. But um my second one actually is the design of Ponyo. Okay. Uh but and I have to say it though, because there's like multiple different versions of it. Yeah. Because you got uh fit you got goldfish ponyo you've mm. got amphibian ponyo with the chicken legs yeah 
god! That thing, that thing that is a creepy. nightmare. That thing is creepy. But yes. it took me a while to go. It's like, oh, it's she's a frog because she's amphibian because she's half water, half, half water, half human. Okay, I follow the logic here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course her full human form, which she's in for most of the film. Yes. Uh, I like how at all points you recognize her. Yes. There's never a point in the film where you 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 would see her in a different form and go, who is that supposed to be? Yeah. Now, granted, her sisters all look like her, too. Yeah. Except they're smaller. Yeah. But, yeah. I I, I like that you can make out Ponyo throughout the entire mm -hmm. film. Uh, she's the acting, even with um, Miley Cyrus's little sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, is done very well, even though I swear that uh, the acting is, is just a little bit off natural, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. It's still a kid, so yeah. yeah. But you can almost kind of tell she didn't want to be in the recording booth ever throughout this entire thing. I, 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 I don't, I, I may be reading too much into that. I don't know. I think you're reading too much into it. Did you right. see the, did you watch the, the uh, behind I, the scenes? I didn't get a chance to watch oh, the behind okay. the scenes. I, I actually did be like, I watched behind the mic because mm -hmm. that's what they would do with these films. And uh, it was literally the two young actors were sitting side by side doing a mic the uh, performance, and they're performing with little their little dolls for the playing with the dolls, and like you have the the actor and the coaches are like helping them throughout the scenes the entire time, and so be like they were having fun the entire time, you know, being kids having right. fun. Well, that's recording something. That's good. It's just it's it, 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 to to my ears, okay. It did sound like their performances were a little off natural, for lack of a better term. Okay, it was well, it didn't have the professional polish. I wouldn't say that. It just okay. it did not feel like a natural performance. Okay, it felt like I said, it felt like they were being coached the whole time, which it makes sense. They're yeah. kids. Yeah. This all I'm saying is these kids were not. Uh, if they were playing, that makes a lot of sense. If that's yeah. how they were handling it yeah. and getting them to say these specific lines yeah. when, uh, at, at specific times, because mm -hmm. I mean, you still have to match. I think maybe that's what threw me off because the kids are not going to be matching lip flaps. Yeah. Whereas all the adults would have, and I will admit that both so scary while the edit, the editing is good on, on it there. That would probably be like the, the one issue with, with their performance. I had, mm. uh, especially with Ponyo, is that sometimes the actress's performance and the animation performance is different. I got. You. I guess is what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean by off natural. Uh, it doesn't feel like a natural performance. I got. You. So, but that I, I I I kind of went into that from dislikes, which is not my intention. Fair. But for the most part, yeah, she. I think uh, Ponyo. I, I enjoy the the look and. For the most part, the performance of the character of Ponyo. Okay. I am curious actually to watch it, watch the Japanese version to see if they had the same kind of issues with those characters or if those are actually adults. I didn't look into that. Okay. So uh, what's your third like? My third like would actually go, because uh, I didn't touch on it before, and it, it's going to be like, is it's a Hayao Miyazaki film. It is a Studio Ghibli film. So the animation is going to be freaking gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But like, obviously, it's the Miyazaki style. It's the Ghibli style. And uh, it's always well done. And they're going to be like, before recording, I didn't know it was hand-drawn. Yeah. Be like, I, I knew there was something different about it. But uh, be like, now understanding, be like, it is hand-drawn. Oh, my gosh. It makes me more appreciate this the animation yeah. even more. Because 
be like, you took three years or less to do this. Well, this is part of the reason why he didn't work on Tales from Earthsea because he was working on this. he was working on this. Okay, and and the and uh, the film before this, which was Howl's. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. But uh, um, Moving Castle. Yeah, wasn't one of those movies where uh, Miyazaki was going to retire? He had retired. Howl's Moving Castle was like the second time he had retired after yeah. the film mm-hmm. and then came back for Ponyo. Mm. And then said he was retiring after Ponyo. Yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But animation is movies like anything. It's just like if you touch anything Miyazaki or Ghibli, that matter. Mm-hmm. Be like, doesn't matter what kind of film it is. It could be ocean waves. It could be uh, what was the one I didn't like so much? <laughs> oh, um, Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies. Be like, I think I think if I went back and rewatched it, I probably more. But I think I had too much emotion invested into I think it. You, I, I think that a lot of that is there also because mm. I I don't think I you weren't prepared. No, I wasn't. And for for what? And I, granted, I wasn't prepared. Uh, I was going into expecting it to be about them having to survive. Uh, well, it was like surviving after the atomic bomb. Yeah. Didn't know it was the fire bombs, which was actually worse. Uh-huh. <laughs> but and I expected it to be more politically charged. So my shields was like, how bad are they going to say us stupid Americans are? And that's never even came up. No, it didn't. <laughs> but we did have to deal with the fact that that, that boy was oh, a little geez. too prideful. Yeah, a little bit, but but either way, back yeah. to Ponyo. Yeah, you don't want to make me angry. <laughs> I could go up and get another glass of water. The animation is wonderful. The animation is great. The mm-hmm. animation just be like it's eye popping every time. Uh, I would have said probably four 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 years ago starting this, because uh, they're again the first Studio Ghibli film I ever saw. I believe I've said it was. Um, Princess Mononoke, I believe. I think you said that was one, the only one you'd seen before yeah, that. Point. I think it was the only one I had seen before. Um, I think I saw that after uh, uh, Akira. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So, yeah, very diverse, very diverse as a kid or a young teenager. But overall, be like, I love the animation of this movie. It's wonderful. I remember why you had seen Princess Mononoke because I had an extra copy and gave gave the Disney one to you. Yes, that's what that was. Yeah, and I, I think I had seen a little bit of on television mm-hmm. at one point, and I was like, "What in the world is this?" And then I remember one of my like, favorites. <laughs> yeah. Um. Overall, be like, animation of this movie is fantastic. It's well done. Uh, like any Miyazaki. Uh, Studio Ghibli film is um, like I was saying before be like any like the ones we may not like the animation is always very well done mm-hmm. yeah so yeah animation is brilliant my third like for this is mm-hmm. the performance of one Liam Neeson as Fujimoto oh yeah yeah, because yeah. you see this character Liam Neeson's voice is not the one you expect to come out of no but it's the only it's the only voice I can think of that makes sense for this character, to be honest. Because uh, you see him as like, okay, yeah. you look like a carnival barker from the twenties, and yet you have a very particular set of skills. skills. <laughs> oh. If you give my daughter back now, 
No. Uh, his, he does such a good job that I actually do believe that his character from beginning to end where he's protective of his, maybe overprotective of his daughter Yeah, at the beginning to where he finally does say, okay, you, you proved yourself five-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. We may be hitting on one of my dislikes right there. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, I I can kind of believe that he trusts, he trusts Sosuke and is yeah. literally more worried about his daughter's safety than anything else. Yeah. He, he, he does come across as being too protective at points, yeah. but it's all coming from a, a, a place of love yeah. for, for the end for wanting to keep his daughter safe. Yeah. Granted, but we'll get to that in yes. a minute. But yeah, Liam Neeson's performance as Fujimoto is my third like for this film. I agree. What's your first dislike? My first dislike. Let me get back to my notes. Um, so you pointed, you kind of pointed out a few minutes ago. It was the, 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 the fact to be like this: the world is doomed if these two characters do not fall in love <laughs> at five years old. We're starting with my first dislike, I see. Yes. So be like I, I titled it uh Young Love, and it was like, wait a minute. These these are two little five-year-olds. Be like they, they are just starting to learn things about the world. Right. And now I'm I'm not saying yeah that kids couldn't fall in love with five and kind of grow up together and yeah. then get married. That yeah. happens. I've, I've, I've heard of it before. Yeah. yeah. But this is something I would expect like teenagers to actually have to deal with not five-year-olds yeah well i'd be mean, like i would even i wouldn't even like um uh, coil gardeners yeah because they are kindergartners yeah but they're kindergarten five five-year-olds um so the the idea would be like a, a child can say i love you but they they their 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 meaning is completely different to what we would say as an adult yeah and uh the like the way that like, you love a parent the way you would love a sibling or something like that but uh just the 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 idea that sasuke has to uh pledge that he loves ponyo ponyo uh that he really means it that he really does love her and he really is going to take care of her at five years old i'm like Okay. It's like, yeah, be like, you can have dedication at five years old. You can mm-hmm. have like a, a love for somebody, but it's not this like deep romantic love. It's more yeah. be like, it's be like, Hey, I'm going to take care of my friend. I love my friend that way. Yeah. So it, it's that kind of like love you would have for towards a friend. And, uh, cause I, I would, cause I think it the, the way watching this, I'm like, uh, I don't think this is the way these kids think at this moment because they're in their kids. They think of love as something you care for somebody. And I think that's the way that no, it's, no, it's no, portrayed. No. It's not that specifically. They are using love. The kids in this film yeah. are using love as meaning I really, really like. Yeah. There like Ponyo loves Ham. Yeah. She's not in love with Ham. ham. She really she doesn't want to marry Ham. ham. She just loves the taste of Ham. ham. Yeah. That makes more so sense. she really, really likes it. That's what yeah. that's the words that makes that's sense. They're un, that's these kids' understanding of the yeah. word love. love. Yeah, that makes yes. sense. Uh, Sosuke probably loves his mother, mm. and l- definitely you can see the love for his father. Yeah, with the uh, as much as he's willing to, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he just finds it fun signaling yeah. his father at sea. Yeah, but <laughs> I 
they, I, I agree with you. That's like, yeah, the, they're five years old. Yeah. Granted, optimistically, mm-hmm. they don't technically have to fall in love, get married, and have children for Sosuke to uh, actually complete his part of the, the bargain. Yeah. At no point would that force her to turn into foam. I'm assuming she's still in danger of turning into foam if Sosuke ever messes up on yeah. his promise. It doesn't say that, but honestly, why wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, even if she has, and of course, caused the world to fall back out of bounds because it's all hinging on them uh-huh. staying, staying in, in love. love. Yeah. Now, if it goes to, they could, they could technically stay at friendship. Yeah. And they could just both be good best friends for the rest of their lives and marry other people. And then those families be friends and all that would be good. Yeah. Technically, if you re- if you go by the bargain as presented, mm-hmm. that is still that that version of it is. And that's all the kids are gonna know anyway. Yeah. That's all the kids are thinking anyway. The idea yeah, exactly. of falling in love, both even both Ponyo and Sosuke are too young mm-hmm. to even think in this way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess Ponya would be at the age if she had grown up that she at this time may have, or if she'd been watching Disney princess films, yeah, like Cinderella or Snow White, yeah, she might be dreaming of her handsome prince and thinks it's Sosuke, but Ponyo didn't grow up with that. Yeah. And plus uh, kids at that age be like, there's, they only think in a one dimensional, like as yeah. an adult, you think in a uh, second dimension and third dimensional. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a kid, as a child that young, be like you don't think in like you only think of the first dimension is like it's what's right there, what's in the surface. Yeah, and, and so that's what they're thinking. It's like oh, I make, really like this person, and they're having to make this decision at five, at five years old. That is huge. How do you make that decision? Look, I am thirty. I'll be turning thirty-eight years uh-huh. old this year. I don't even know what it's like to say I'm going to love somebody for the rest of my life. Now you do, Mm -hmm. you are getting married in in eight months. Yes. So you at least have a better understanding of Uh it. And, and both of us are confused as to how she can make this decision. Either one of them can make this decision at five years old, much less why her mother, the goddess is allowing this to happen. And is even the one who said, Oh, this is how we'll fix everything. Granite's, it gives her her freedom, but the reason that works in the little mermaid is because mm-hmm. she's a teenager and is on the verge of becoming an adult. Ponyo is five. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm sorry. At the age of five, you're a kid. Yeah. And so- let's face it. If Francisco had been able to come on this film, because he was a tentative in the early stages of being a really? guest this episode. I didn't know but, that. Uh, timing didn't work out. Fair. I would be Sorry, sitting right. here asking him why. I would. I would not be surprised if his first dislike for this thing would be disobedient children, because both of these kids are disobedient. They are very disobedient. You're welcome, Roy. But uh, so that got me thinking for a moment. Uh, so I looked up uh, Matthew eighteen two, where it says. And he called it, he called and he, and calling to him a child, he put the child in the midst of them, said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become a child, become, become like, like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
whoever humbles himself like this child is greater in the kingdom of heaven. So it's this idea of like, you know, a childlike faith. If you just kind of believe it's like, yeah. okay, cool. Be like, yeah, I'll do that. Not a problem. If you guys be like, you're just taking it on their word. Yeah. They're not thinking of this. They're not, thinking they're not thinking grand, like, th- you know, grand scale. You're not thinking it's dimensionally. You're not thinking third dimensionally. You're not thinking with skepticism. You're just like, okay, sure. I'll do that. Not a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll follow you. No problem. And Grant, maybe that's what 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 that works in the situation. Yeah. And Grant, it's us looking back and going, these kids are making a decision that will affect them for their entire lifetime in the entire world and the entire world at the age of five. Why are yeah. the adults allowing this to happen? Yeah. That's think that's really what gets down to both of us. <laughs> yeah. Why are the adults allowing this to happen? <laughs> all of the adults. Yeah. All the adults are totally fine with it. And it's it's like. Oh, because the they're only, really, they're the really only one with each other. The only one who was fighting this was Fujimoto. Yeah. And that's because he was afraid that Sosuke wasn't a good enough man for his daughter. Yeah. At the age of five. <laughs> Granted, faith of a child is probably all, all is having the faith of a child. Yeah. And wanting to spend the rest of your life with someone. Yes. Is probably the definition of love. Mm-hmm. to follow that person yeah agreed. for the rest for, for yeah. all time yeah agreed. And, and accepting them with no care of what the future looks like yeah you just want to spend it with that person i if that's the message great but at the same time it's very hard to look at and go why are all the people involved in the last making of this decision including uh grumpy grandma whatever her name uh, toki yeah toki who until they get down to the to the back to the rest home was like the voice of reason yeah. for a lot of this, even though she was kind of like the stick in the mud. Mm-hmm. She's perfectly fine with it once they get underwater. And I'm going, is nobody gonna raise an objection that the world is gonna be saved based on the decision of a five-year-old boy to love a goldfish with the face of a human? Like we said, granted, mm-hmm. the rule wasn't he had to marry her. Mm-hmm. They could just be friends for the rest of their lives, and that's all that matters. Yeah, there again, but like if you look at what they never have to go deeper than that. Yeah, because you look at the uh, the overall arching theme of this is like be like not be like uh, not um, uh, not basing everything on appearance. Yeah, and be like how um, and yes, yeah. if you get married, you should be marrying a friend. Yeah, y'all should, exactly. you should be friends first, lovers second. Yeah, exactly. In a way, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and maybe that's all it's needed here, and that's all he's trying to say. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm still sitting here and going, every single person here is perfectly fine with the fate of the world being decided by a five year old who's going to love a, another five year old for the rest of their lives. Okay, yeah, bit weird. Either way, what's your second dislike? Yeah, because we basically just yeah, were, were I, I slap into each other the first one. Pretty much. Uh, so I decided to turn on the uh, the the subtitles. Okay. And so uh, the the Japanese subtitles? Yeah, no, like the, Eng- the English subtitles. Well, yeah, but the English subtitles that would have been for the Japanese dub. Yes. Because there's ja- the Japanese. Yes. There, there's the because this one this Blu-ray did have the English the closed captioning basically for the English version. Yeah. And then the English uh, subtitles for the Japanese dub. Hmm. Okay. So I'm assuming you must've hit the one for the, the English subtitles for the Japanese dub. 
possible. If it was different than what you saw in the Yeah, English, it was different. It was different because... Because uh, I watched it with the English uh, closed captioning. Okay, so let me ask you this, because this will help me with my uh, slight confusion. Uh, it's not Sosuke, is it right? Sosuke, yeah. Yeah, Sosuke's the boy. Uh, because anytime he mentioned his mother, he never called her mother. He called her by her name. Yeah, he calls both of his parents by their names, not mom or dad, but yeah. Lisa and Koichi. Koichi. Which to me is like, okay, is there some kind of deeper like subtext here that maybe he's uh, like adopted or something so he doesn't call them by mom and dad? I looked into it. There's nothing. Okay, it was just... Uh, just it was, for whatever reason, he doesn't call them by the Japanese equivalents of their, of the mom and dad titles. Yeah. Which I just found weird. Cause the, the, the point that I got when, uh, they discovered the abandoned car, I was like, Oh, okay. Something really happened. And the English, the, you know, the English dub, it's like, mom, 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 where are you? And then it's just like, you know, you know, calling her name the entire time. I'm mm -hmm. like, what in the world? Now, granted, this is coming from a Western perspective. Yeah. And we're, we're only used to kids calling their parents, their real names if they're if that's just how they were introduced and they because mm -hmm. they were uh not born they, they're adopted yeah and that's so, and even then a lot of times it goes mom or dad after a while yeah so my my thought was was like okay maybe like uh sasuke be like maybe his father married somebody else and this is like the stepmom maybe he calls her by her her actual name i don't know but uh i was just so I'm, confused by that but there again yeah. minor thing off of that this is not my second dislike the fact that she is actually has an english name yes which throws which threw me when yeah. i was watching it because okay. it's like everyone else has a japanese name why is your name in english yes and because they never we never talk about uh her past mm -mm. so though granted she does seem to act more like a western yeah uh woman but that but a lot of that's also her being very angry at her husband who has left her at home again with yeah. the kids instead of coming home. Mm -hmm. But anyway, my second dislike on this film, what motivation does Ponyo have to go to the land? That is, I think it's more generally curiosity, curiosity. Yeah. Yes. And then she likes Sosuke because he was nice to her mm -hmm. and, she drank all of his blood, so maybe there's some magic thing there that we that it's not gone into. And but why does it? And I get after it's like okay, she has a she wants to spend time with Sosuke instead of spending time with her dad because oh, it's a kid, it's someone else her age basically. Yeah, yeah, I want to go spend time with the other kids my age because well, where we instead of having you know all this all all these other things. But there's still a part of me that goes, why? Why? And granted, I don't have, I'm, I'm not around kids a lot. Mm -hmm. So this could be just like, oh, it's the standard motivation any five year old would have mm -hmm. of just trying to be, you know, hang out and play with other kids and all mm -hmm. that, just with the power of the magic of the sea behind her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, a lot of this is like, I don't know why you're trying to get away at the very beginning, other than just, curiosity it made sense when i mean it, may, it makes sense with ariel because yeah. she, she's a teenager yeah but she's five years old and i'm fairly certain fujimoto told her stay in the boat 
Yeah. Don't don't get don't leave. And not only does she leave, she has the help of her sisters to help her get out. Yeah. And Fujimoto apparently does not realize that she's a runner or a swimmer, I guess I should yeah. say. Uh, so he has to keep a better eye on her than yeah. probably he would like. While he's still trying to do his work, yeah, trying to collect seawater magic or whatever it is he's doing, mm-hmm. but doesn't apparently have a better uh, track of mm-hmm. keeping what I would assume would be known magical abilities of his daughters mm. in check. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. It's it, it it's kind of odd because mm-hmm. he's and granted he's kind of shown to be a mad scientist. Yeah, in a way, a, a, a wizard. Yeah, basically. Um. So he is focused on his work and is still trying to keep an eye on his daughters. But you know, when you're focused on your work, he sometimes it's very easy. Everything gets sidetracked. Everything gets sidetracked, including taking care of your your kids even though mm. i guarantee you it's not intentional like that you know what i mean yeah. but there's still part of me that goes why is ponyo so wanting to get to land originally yeah so yeah that's my second dislike is like i don't fully understand her uh motivation not getting out of the boat i get yeah that's that i can explain it with curiosity Finding your way to a jellyfish and then swimming what I'm assuming is hundreds of miles to shore. Right. Because it's an it's far enough away that they aren't having to deal with the pollution that's closer to shore. Mm-hmm. So she's able to go that far with a jellyfish and mm-hmm. I would assume she would she she's a very brave girl. I'll give yeah. her that. Yeah. But I I I I don't know if I would have been brave enough to go that far away without getting scared and wanting to run back Fair. to my parents Fair. as what I'm trying to get a hold of. So yeah, I th- I think there there's a little it's too much of a yeah. Just accept this and move on sort of thing. Yeah. But then I don't have kids. So Fair. Fair. What's your third dislike? Uh my fourth third dislike I titled Flooded World. Uh the entire uh area in which like you know uh sasuke and his mother live mm-hmm. be like that entire region is completely flooded because that's based on a real re- area by the way yeah based on a real location i didn't i didn't write down where it was but. okay but it's the, the the fact that like this entire area is decimated because one little girl wanted to see you know see her best friend mm-hmm. and decided to flood the entire area <laughs> She was trying to get to him. And he I was know. Running away as far as he could tell. She was playing tag. Yeah. <laughs> or she thought he was playing tag in a, yeah. in, in a metal vehicle. Yes. And uh, and then you have the point where Ponyo and Sasuke are be like, mom hasn't come back yet. And it's like, or uh, it's like, we got to go. Tr- I've got to try to find her. And, uh, you know, the, the boat magic happens. And the water is slowly coming in the house. He doesn't shut the door. And I keep thinking back of my head, shut the door, you stupid kid. You let the water in. A, he's five years old. I know, I know, B, I know. kids actually have a little bit more freedom in Japan than we have over here because they're expected to walk to school by themselves, hmm. even at his age. Hmm. So, I mean, they, they're far enough away. He would have to take a car. Yeah. But if you live, like, within walking distance of it or... In Tokyo, I know the kids even take the the, the train. 
Yeah. Uh, around even at that age. So, and granted, if you have an older sibling, I think the sibling usually walks with you for a good portion of that, yeah. but still, or maybe the parent does for a while. I, I, I don't know. I just know generally kids have a lot more freedom than over there than we have over here. Oh, okay. And so it kind of, that part makes sense. Why? I don't know, but I still have the same issue. Yeah. Yeah, it's just more like, like okay, that's cool, it's interesting, but it was just more. That's, that's it's why, it's it's a nitpick. Sosuke has that independent streak. I yeah. still don't know why Ponyo does. Yeah, I think Ponyo is just like a rebellious child. To be like, no, I'm gonna explore. Well, she's Ariel. Well, she's five year old Ariel. That's yeah, the five year old Ariel. She's got the red hair and everything. Yeah, she she just and she's a goldfish. She just doesn't and have a frog. She just doesn't have Sebastian to hold her down. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, my third dislike. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk minor nitpicks, this this is it. Why do none of the adults not seem amazed that this what is obviously a children's toy boat has been enlarged to be a big enough size that two kids can ride in it? Yeah. They are even talking to him like, oh, yeah, of course you're the captain. That's your ship. It's like almost like you've always had that ship. It, the 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 uh, guy who uh, they 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 help with had the baby has the wife and baby yeah he gives them a candle and he's and the kid says oh that's okay Ponyo will enlarge it and there's like no one that's surprised at all by any of this and it's like did we end up in a nursery rhyme or something <laughs> this was the real world at the beginning of this film. Yes. And now it's like all adult reasoning has gone out the window. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Fair. <laughs> Granted, this may be... Okay, so I have this theory. Okay. About the world. A podcast theory? No, no, no. This is a real world theory. Oh, okay. You know how uh, we are 70% water? Yeah. And the moon has an effect on the tides? Yes. How does it not have an effect on us? Hmm. Well, I think it does because it does. We have both worked in the public sector. Yeah, we both full know moons? how weird people are when full moon when, when there's a full moon. Yeah, which is not something you can explain to people who've never experienced these people. Yeah, yeah. when you would, so yeah. My theory is with this film taking that other theory into account. Yes, that the reason these kid these adults are all just accepting of a toy boat with a giant candle in it puttering around like obviously a toy boat would yeah and why that's perfectly natural that this five-year-old kid would be captaining his own boat and no one needs to go with them while they're searching for their mother mm-hmm. or his mother must be because the full moon the moon is about to fall in and everyone's going cuckoo for cocoa puffs the farther <laughs> closer it gets to earth yeah that sounds about right that sounds that's about right. the only excuse i have for that my, my, but it's it's still weird. It's like nobody because as, as soon as the world is flooded, yeah, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, of course, Sosuke. We we knew you had a boat this whole time. He didn't have the boat till five minutes ago." <laughs> and also, kind of bringing it like kind of bringing it down to reality. But like you have uh, a sudden flood, be like everything's gone to chaos, and you have people who are just trying to survive, trying to do this, and it's like, oh, there's Sosuke. Not, not, even thinking, not even thinking about like the rationality. It's like, yes. oh, he's the captain of this boat. No problem. Makes sense. Because everything's gone cuckoo for and, and they're looking and he's looking for his mom. That also makes sense. sense. And he's got this other real redheaded girl that none of us have ever seen before. Yeah. No, no, no one I, brings it up. And 
she's willing to give food to a little baby, which that makes sense. And I do love, I do, I did find that funny when she gives gives the mom the sandwiches for milk. <laughs> that was hilarious. That, that was funny. Yeah. At the same time, it's like I don't think I understood that at that age. No, <laughs> no. But yeah. Anyway. Yes. There are that, that's what it comes down to. There's just a lot of lunatics in this film. <laughs> The 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 adults are, are like the kids are the rational ones in this movie. Yes, now, which makes me think, okay, we're in an '80s movie where the adults are stupid and the kids are brilliant. Yeah, all we're missing is Matthew McConaughey. Not Matthew McConaughey. Um, what is his name? Ferris Bueller. Um, oh, Matthew uh, Broderick. Matthew Broderick. All we're missing is Matthew Broderick hacking into it to to a space satellite <laughs> to shoot the moon back into orbit. <laughs> Well, I've heard of, I've heard a weirder, but okay, that's so. A, yeah, and, and I would be remiss having brought Matthew Roderick up if I did not say the following connected to this film. That's a lot of fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, my rib! Ow. <laughs> too true. Too true. Mm. All right. So we have reached the end of yes. the review for this film. We need to rate this thing. Yes. What are you I, rating it? Uh, I'm rating it a solid eight. It's a okay. wonderful film. Uh, there again, you can nitpick the film to death, mm -hmm. but overall, it's a great film. It's wonderful. It's got, it is just Miyazaki Ghibli all over it. Uh, it's got this, you know, wonderful world and wonderful characters. And now, granted, the adults are kind of act stupid and like all like all the logic is like oh these kids know what to do and they're five years old mm -hmm. but uh overall i thoroughly enjoyed the mess out of this film and i would, would highly recommend it you i'm giving it a 7.5 uh it's not my favorite miyazaki film but this mm. is this is a much quieter film that's not trying to say as much as some of the other stuff it's a return to what totoro was which was oh, okay. had, a, had a simpler message uh with a simple way of conveying it mm -hmm. but uh totoro i think is still better than this uh Fair. it's a good film it's it's just not my favorite uh I, if you like miyazaki though definitely give it a watch it's a good film mm -hmm. just I think there are better. I think I think Totoro is a better film, and that's kind of. And since I'd seen Totoro before I saw this, it does kind of put a little kink into how much I like this one. Much yeah. like how I saw, uh, well, no, technically I saw Nausicaa before I saw Mononoke. Okay, but I liked Mononoke better than I did Nausicaa. So maybe either way. Gotcha. So uh next next week we are ending finishing Miyazaki month mm -hmm. with uh the secret world of Arietti. Yes. Based on the same book that uh the Indian in the cupboard was based on. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So uh yeah, it's a film called the uh it's a book called The Borrowers is what they're both based oh, on. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So uh we'll be reviewing that next week. In the meantime, we're going to uh go to the intermission. We're going to play, uh, we're going to talk about what we've been watching, assuming Jacob has actually seen something. I have. Ah, okay, cool. And then uh, we'll get into some news and some X-Men. The end of this series. 
Thank the Lord. Not that we've hated it. No. Just the last season. It, it It's been touch and go. Yeah. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out The Untold Podcast, which is a speculative fiction podcast using the genres of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, among others, in order to engage the culture's imagination from a Christian worldview. Every month, Nathan James Norman produces and narrates a new story presented in a unique and dynamic way. Check out the Untold Podcast at untoldpodcast.com to listen to and leave them a review on Apple Podcasts. Which I went ahead and brought up this time because for the first time since we joined the Culture Box Network, they have a new episode out. Yay! So yeah, go check out that new episode of theirs. Uh, The Cellcast would also like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and Edwin Gonzalez. If you want to hear your names uh, said on the show, uh, get some uh, art from Jacob or listen to uncut episodes, you can donate to us on Patreon.com. So, Jacob, I have a question for you. What have you been watching? I've actually been watching a lot for a change. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Uh, over the course of the week, uh, just like kind of winding down, I was like, you know what? Be like, I need to watch something before I could just wind down and go to bed. So then I realized, I was like, oh, yeah, a movie we've already reviewed. I think we reviewed it. I think. Because there again, this was a movie I watched in my childhood. Mm-hmm. And I remember putting it on the list. And, and it was like, I know we reviewed this film. I had to go buy the box set to get the movie. <laughs> and that movie would be He-Man and She-Ra, The Secret of the Sword. We have reviewed that yes. one. Boy, was that a trip. Yeah, that was a trip. So yeah, And we were... didn't do that in Bad Movie Month either. Ow! That was before Bad Movie Month. That was. I- I'm not saying it was a bad movie, but yeah. I can see why it would end up in that section. Yeah, <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. But uh, yeah, I started watching that on YouTube because they it's, it's all legal on YouTube right now. Yeah. So... I uh, started watching that and, you know, get, you know, be like, I, you know, it's like, okay, stop here, you know, go do something else. And then uh, I know a movie that recently came out this year, earlier this year, that you wouldn't watch theaters, loved it to death. Um, you know, it's finally come to Netflix and I decided to watch it this afternoon. Is it one that had I known you were going to watch, I would remind you of uh how the first one in the franchise yes. had some uh, <laughs> my, my trigger <laughs> is it that one yes okay spider-man uh you, across the, uh, you watched version five version five <laughs> that's the thing because that, that's the weird thing about we'll, we'll talk about this in february when yeah. we actually do the full review yeah is that they released one version to theaters then they were then because of some complaints about the sound mix, mm-hmm. they released another version with the mix fix, but they also were some other undocumented changes <laughs> from the multiverse, we guess. And then there was a third one that came up when it went to when it went to home video, and then like the streaming version has another version. Really, so it's like 
there's a ton, we'll get more into it. I'm kind of going off of memory here, so I yeah. may have some of this wrong. Right. But yeah, it is literally a multiverse in this film because yeah. we don't even know which version of the film is canon. <laughs> so, yes, I was watching a Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. I'm saying that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, I got to watch like the very first part. Miles wasn't even in the film yet. It was all about. Oh, Gwen. you were still in uh, Spider Gwen's part. Yeah, Spider Gwen's part. I think they were just about to go into Miles's world, and uh, I was like, "Wow, this is yeah. really good." Be like, just like, just like the first one. It's done very well. And you, and you know why I couldn't speak about it? Yeah, <laughs> it's done so well. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I I can't wait to get into this, and I can actually add it to my movie my movie watch. Um. So, yeah, I was watching that, and uh, so I have been watching Inuyasha also on Netflix, and I'm at season three, mm-hmm. I think on episode, I think, 17, I think. Yeah. And uh, that's a series I remember watching on Toonami, I think. I think it was Toonami or Adult Swim, one of those. Uh, um, it was Adult Swim, I think. Yeah. But it may have also been on Toonami because there was some of that that they were showing, like, an edited version. Yeah during the day and then the uncut version at yeah. night yeah they even did that with dragon ball even though it still doesn't quite work but either yeah, way either way but overall I'll be like I've, i remember watching that and i was like oh my gosh the action's so cool and i didn't realize it was more like a romantic cop like a romantic comedy mm-hmm. i didn't realize that until I, it was much later but, but yeah I, I thoroughly enjoy inuyasha so yeah that's what i've been watching so, yeah, I didn't. All, all I got to say here is for Neko, Master Sashomaru. <laughs> Sit, boy. How dare you? Does <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ashley know about that? <laughs> I'm just curious. It's no, not for doesn't. it's not for me to say. No, she does not. But does she know about it? Is my no? Is she my does question. not. <laughs> Oh, so, uh, what I've been watching, um, of course, Spy Family. Yes. We are actually getting into uh, some good story last week. Uh, yeah. Because it's been a little, It's it, they've been doing what, what I call these um, these half episodes mm-hmm. where it's it feels more like it's filler, except all of it's coming from the manga. So is it really filler? But either way... Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying that. It looks like uh, Yor is finally going to get to do some assassinating. Ah, so change. <laughs> Granted, that's not been mostly her character arc so yeah. far. Was is how she's dealing with her real job. But either way, um, so yeah, I've been watching that. Uh, I after we finished Lower Decks, I was still feeling a Star Trek kick. Ah, and I decided, you know what? I, I don't know if I'm going to work my way through the entire franchise. Okay. But I at least went in and started where I thought a person should start a, a uh, we'll say marathon, but a, uh, why can't I think of the word? And you no watch a bunch idea. of things back to back to back. Oh, um, um marathon not marathon um, but it's it's a new newer term oh came up from because of netflix where you'd watch the whole thing binge binge yeah uh, i'm kind of starting a star trek binge slowly mm. starting with the original series 
So I watched the first uh, three episodes this week. Uh, the Man Trap, Charlie X, and Where No Man Has Gone Before. And I am remembering why the show, I love the show so much. It is, this is good classic Star Trek. Granted, it's still, it's still campy at this point in time, but the stories are written so well. Uh, so yeah, I'm doing a slow binge through, I got you. Uh, through the original series right now. Uh, to answer Neko's question, that would be the city on the edge of forever, which features uh, Kirk and his girlfriend walking through Mayberry, even though it's supposed to be 1930s San Francisco. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, along with that, uh, I started a new anime called Shangri-La Frontier, which has got to be the very best isekai I've ever watched. Okay. Because well, it's not Reborn Another World, but it's still very yeah. much guy playing in a video game. Yeah. Except the actors are like, the, the characters are like, really how people like that actually are okay it's he's he he has a very knowledge of game mechanics and that helps him yeah but it's still hard for him to actually do everything he's not overpowered yeah like uh you know every other isekai protagonist right, is right right uh and the amount of this thing has movie level anime animation in it okay in a tv series it's looks way too good for what this is. Okay. It is a it's a beautiful little anime. I'm enjoying it so far. Uh and it's well written. Okay. So which I you can't say about a lot of isekai. Fair. So yeah, I'm watching through that. Uh I think I I think we're all I'm all the way up through like where the English dub stopped. Oh, okay. So uh other than that, I've not really watched a whole lot else. So, uh, Jacob, what do we have in the news? The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Thank you, Dealit. And going into the news, uh, so apparently, less than four, 24 hours after social media, social media went a buzz of unofficial news about Shark Five coming in 2025, as the broader entertainment industry celebrates the uh, agreement to end uh, the SAG stripe. Uh, more sorry comments from. Uh, from DreamWorks Animation co-founder Jeffrey Katzenberg. Katzenberg <laughs> left a uh, he, his his name is a four-letter word on the show. Yes, it is. Uh, left a swampy taste. Uh, yeah, swampy taste. That's what the, that's where they use swampy, swampy taste in animation lovers' mouths. To quote Katzenberg, uh, if you look at how media has been impacted in the last ten years by the introduction of digital technology, what what, what will happen in the next ten years will be ten years as great. Literally, he admit he admitted, and I think AI as a creation tool 
think of think of that as a new paintbrush or new camera has so much opportunity around it lobbing some lobbing some numbers um the longtime tune exec noted that in the good old days animated movies required four, 500 plus and uh, artists to work over five years he predicted in just a few years it won't take 10 percent of that said katzenberg so yeah he is kind of lobbying for ai in the next 10 years to generate animated for things at least for dreamworks so we haven't really had the ai discussion no we have on this show no, we haven't I've talked about it a little bit with uh, the Culture Box conversations back when yes. those were going on. Yes. Sorry, weird noise just happened <laughs> <laughs> through me. Uh, so as a tool by uh, by an artist, I don't really have, like, for idea generation yeah. and things like that, and maybe even with uh, compositing and such like that, I don't really have an issue with it. What my issue with AI would be is mm. trying to do an entire production with AI. Yeah. Replacing the artist completely with it. Mm -hmm. That's where I have the issue. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, that's my thoughts on it. Uh, it's like AI should be a tool. It should not be a master. Yeah. Agreed. And I'm afraid that what, what I'm afraid of is, the AI would be significantly cheaper enough that there would be some people tempted to do it and push it so much that it would literally be taking jobs away from people in the entertainment yeah, industry, which is what the, the uh, strikes were worried about also. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, AI, I'm, I'm the exact same way. I'd be like, it's a t it should be used as a tool not to replace people in the slightest. I think if you uh, definitely as an artist myself, I look at, AI, it's like if I was to use AI and I was like, okay, I have no idea how to do this, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, find a generator and like, per, and it's like, okay, there's my inspiration for it and use that as a basis. Yeah. Not this, this rampant expansion of artists who just pump out AI art and try to sell it as original art. It's just like you're stealing people's art here. Remember, be like, mm -hmm. if they don't know that, they should. Yeah, because as most artists that I know are so anti AI art generation, it's not even funny because they're going, you are stealing yeah. the the computer, now, the program is stealing from other artists who create what it's trying to do. Now, I think we both agree that the AI should have the, their source information, how mm -hmm. they build up all this stuff yes. should be sourced uh, with uh, uh not it shouldn't be stealing stuff yeah it needs to be stuff that the artist has already agreed yes this can be a part of this database yeah. to learn it and it's, uh, uh and that that's how i think it that should be done it shouldn't yeah. just be uh go out there and steal like tons of jpegs off a of google image search mm -hmm. with this term and use that to generate your art from yeah so yeah because i'm reminded of a, a story i i read where this uh I think the the voice actor who's the voice actors who played Rogue uh paid this artist five hundred dollars to do a piece of of her character and turns out the person just AI'd it mm -hmm. and got ripped off because that just like really 
It's like you rip somebody off because be like you're too lazy to actually do it yourself, or you don't I, have the talent to do it. Granted, I will always be much more impressed when someone can do it without using like AI as even a source of a generation of a yeah. of an image. Yeah, like you got to be understand. I am still amazed every single one of those photo pictures you send me for the album art oh, thank for you. the show. But I would also be completely understand if you hit a a. Uh, a, a dry spell where the inspiration was just not coming to you for yeah. an episode. You just went on to an AI generator, typed in, I don't know, X-Men and Ponyo or whatever, and generated an image that way and then went and drew it. I would still be impressed, but, and, but understand why yeah. that would, that would, you would might want to do that also. Yeah. I don't want to completely throw the, the baby out with the bathwater yes. is what I'm trying to say. Yes. There is legitimate use for AI, but I'm always worried mm-hmm. someone's going to take it too far. I agree. Anyway. All right. So going back in the news, uh, Pixar's summer 2000, uh, summer 2004, 2024. Most like when to go back in time, but we're not going back in time. Uh, Pixar's summer 2024 movie inside out Two. Which I can see way like there's somewhere to go with this film. Unlike a Toy Story 5. Yeah. Um, we'll be introducing a new emotion perfectly suited for our world. Anxiety. Disney has released a new trailer poster and still from the upcoming sequel. Director, uh, directed by the first time feature helmed uh, Kelsey Mann. A Pixar veteran who has worked on Monster University, a good a good dinosaur, Onward, and Lightyear, and was a storyboard artist for Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends and semi semi-bionic Titans. Man said the new emotion inside Riley's head will stir things up with the new headquarters. Inside Out will arrive in theaters in early summer 2024. Uh, let's. So I watched the teaser trailer for it. Yes, I am not looking forward to anxiety. That being the emotion they showed. Yes, but I think the idea of how they're doing it is correct. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's going to annoy me the way it should annoy me. Yes, if that makes sense. Yeah, because ever since Riley at that point would be a teenager. So yeah. Yeah. And there's like four other emotions they're talking about adding. I don't remember what they are right oh, now. Oh gosh! But yeah. Um, yeah. So this is referring to a new another project coming to Apple Apple TV Plus, uh, building on its riff of a of programming created in partnership with Wild Brain and Peanuts Worldwide. Apple TV Plus announced it is developing a new. Peanuts animated feature film based on the iconic Charles. How do you pronounce his name? Schultz. Schultz. Charles Schultz creation uh, production is due to begin in 2024 with Wild Brain Studios. So okay. going into a a movie that you are probably looking forward to, just a touch, probably just a touch. Uh, Crunchyroll has acquired the North American and select global theater rights for Scott Sky, Spy Family Code White, mm-hmm. the first feature film installment of the popular animated series developed 
delivers an original standalone story featuring special agent Twilight, his deadly assassin wife, Yep, your 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 and their telepathic adore uh, adore adopted daughter Anya. Anya, that's it, Anya. In the in in a all new mission, Crunchyroll and Sony Pictures Anime uh, Entertainment will present the movie to North American theaters in 2024. Available in Japanese and English subtitles and dubbed in English. I actually don't know which version I want to see because <laughs> I've watched both the English dub and the Japanese version. Wow. It's one of the few shows that's made me want to do that. Wow. Okay. And I'm not really sure which one I prefer. Although if it's using the current voice of Anya, maybe the Japanese in the English version, maybe the subtitled version, Uh but uh, yeah, I'm, I am looking forward to this because it will, it is not, it is a, a, is an original story for the movie. It's not Mm -hmm. based on, on a part of the manga. So it's going to be a side story thing, but it is, being worked on by the original writers yes creator of spy family so this could be fun either way yeah so yeah and we are look actually looking at finding a way to review it yeah starting in january so keep an eye out for that yes so yeah that's all i have for the news all righty then why don't we jump into the end of x-men Previously on X-Men. Meet the sulky, over-funky, kinda hulky superhero. Hot to twisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically erotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. First episode of the evening. Yes. Descent, which first aired on September 6th, 1997. In this episode, we see how Mr. Sinister became Mr. Mr. Sinister, Sinister. which is an interesting story. We'll get to it. uh, Yeah. It was directed by Larry Houston and Fred Miller and written by Stephen Melching and David McDermott. Uh, there are only two actors listed for this entire episode. I wonder why. <laughs> Cedric Smith, who is normally Dr. Charles, Professor Charles Xavier, in this plays Dr. James Xavier. Obviously a uh, 
Uh, they're related. Yes. And uh, Chris Britton plays Nathaniel Essex, a.k.a. Mr. Sinister. And, of course, this is the only trivia I have for this is that this is the final appearance of Mr. Sinister in the show. Are you sure? In the animated series, yes. Technically, 97 is a different series. Okay, then. <laughs> so, uh, what are your thoughts on this episode? That looks like it stole all its backgrounds from uh, the great mouse detective. <laughs> blah, 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 boring. <laughs> this is a weird. It is a weird, weird. It, it's a episode. weird episode. And yes, yeah, like, okay, this is an interesting way to tell the story of this guy slowly turning into a. He's a mad scientist, basically, which is all yeah. Mr. Sinister is, is a mad so, scientist with mutant powers. So I'll, I'll take it as and, like... And the fact that he was married to what I'm assuming is Jean Grey's ancestor yeah. explains why he's so fascinated with her. with her part of the line. Still don't know why he's interested in the Summers. Yeah. But... <laughs> so but, but I, I kind of throw this to... It's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of story. Kind of. Bl blend, blended with, obviously, Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I, I was first watching this going, oh, I didn't realize that Mr. Sinister was Jack the Ripper. Wait, he isn't. <laughs> and also, Dracula. He's really more Dracula than anything else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's got these blends of these very classic it's horror. like Dr. Frankenstein and Dracula yeah. merged into one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, when I was watching this, I remember thinking, you know, if this is how, if this is how you're going to begin a show, the beginning of the story as to how the public learned about mutants and why mm. there is this segregation, this deep seated hatred, that's fine. At the same time, I don't care about anybody here, especially not a version of Charles Xavier that looks like he had a date with a Klingon <laughs> because he's got head ridges uh, like a Klingon <laughs> and he's got Wolverine's haircut. Yeah. Oh my word. It's like the, like design wise it was like, it's okay. This is obviously supposed to be like in like Victoria, England or something like that. Yeah. And it'd be like, it's like, did they have sunglasses back in that time? those days oh no i don't think so but it was more it's around we know darwin was around yeah i have no idea what like darwin Dar died. charles darwin's in the episode yeah and he says like be like you're mad man you're mad be like it's all politics <laughs> and i'm like it's like oh, this this is a interesting story but it's so incredibly weird da, 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 da. weird so I tried looking up for more trivia for this than that and mm -hmm. i mean say that part was the hard one to find before mm -hmm. i finally go Oh, yeah, this is probably Mr. Sinister's last episode. Yeah. <laughs> because there was no trivia on anywhere I looked. And he just for this off one. the middle of nowhere. And I'm still sitting here going, is this based on a, on a specific comic mm. story? I could have sworn from, when I, from other research I'd done that the reason Mr. Sinister is the way he, part of the reason he is the way he is, is because Apocalypse had something to do with him. Mm -hmm. So, because he's. That should be connected, but then separate multi, separate part of the multiverse. Fair, it can be whatever. But I'm sitting here when when he first shows up on on the screen, before they even tell us his name that he's Nathaniel Essex. Yeah, 
I'm sitting there going, why is Doctor Strange here? <laughs> that's what, that's what he looked like. It's like, that's what I thought. And, and I had perfect reason to think, oh, yeah, there's probably, maybe this is a Doctor Strange ancestor, no, Doctor Strange's ancestors, because we'd already met uh, Professor Xavier's ancestor, painfully, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It did, I'll admit, it will, it took me a bit to realize, okay, yeah, that's the same voice actor who plays in Charles. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting there watching this and going, why is, I mean, granted, it kind of makes sense why Dr. Strange or someone related to Dr. Strange would be there. Yeah. At the same time, why? Fair. Why? What does this have to do with the, and they go, it's Nathaniel Essex. And they go, oh. That's Mr. Sinister before he got the white skin. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when's Apocalypse showing up? Yeah. I could have sworn Apocalypse was connected to Essex. Yes. Because he's he's technically not a horseman, but he probably he probably should have been the fifth horseman yeah, instead of agreed. Wait, the fifth horseman was not the one with with the with the, the South America the, the the Southern kid. Anyway, doesn't matter. That was a weird episode. These are all weirdly they made episodes. They are so weird episodes. Let, let's it's, let's let's get into graduation day. Yeah, let's go in because that is at least better written. <laughs> kind of, kind, kind of, of, yes, yeah, kind of. Uh, it, it, it's it's a pl- uh, my 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 prayer and my hope is that maybe they touch on it in ninety seven or just completely forget about it. We will see. So yeah. yes. Graduation Day first aired September 20th, 2023, directed by Larry Houston and Fred Miller. In this episode, on the verge of Magneto's final stand against the humans, the X-Men request him to save a dying Professor X. What choice will he make? And because this is the last episode of of X-Men, the animated series, I get to go over everything. Mm-hmm. Cedric Smith is the voice of Professor Charles Xavier, a.k.a. Professor X. Norm Spencer is the voice of Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops. Catherine Disher is the voice of Jean Grey, who has been has not spoken in like two seasons. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Also, this one, when I looked this up, it, it credited her also as Phoenix in this episode. Well, no, 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 because... Uh... No, it was it was the last season. Not the last season she did talk. She did talk in one episode. One episode. But for whatever reason, in this up on IMDb, it credits her as not just Jean Grey, but Phoenix. And I'm thinking Phoenix wow. didn't show up in this. No. But whatever. Uh, because admittedly on this next one, I did actually go actually change how she was credited. Mm-hmm. Lenore Zahn was the voice of Anna Marie, aka Rogue. Chris Potter was credited for the role of Remy LeBeau, a.k.a. Gambit. Yeah. But in reality, Tony Daniels in this episode voiced Remy LeBeau, a.k.a. Yes. Gambit. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, the actor was not available. Mm-hmm. But I've looked it up. He's supposed to be in 97 as Gambit. Good. So, anyway, Cal Dodd is the voice of Logan, a.k.a. James Howlett, a.k.a. Wolverine. Sneak. Allison Court is the voice of Jubilation Lee, a.k.a. Jubilee. George Booza as Dr. Henry Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Beast. Uh, Allison Seeley Smith is the voice of Aurora Monroe, a.k.a. Storm. Lally Caddo voiced Dr. Moira McTaggart. Mm-hmm. Barry Flatman as Henry Peter, Peter Gyrick. Peenard? Peter Gyrick. Henry Peter Gyrick a hard name to say yes Catherine gallant was the voice of shiro yoshida aka famine 
Ron Rubin was the voice of Kevin Sidney, a.k.a. Morph. I did not know that was his real name. What's his real name, sorry? Kevin Sidney is Kevin, Morph's real name. Kevin Sig- Sidney. Sidney, yeah, Sidney. And lastly, okay. uh, the uh, deus ex machina of this episode, Camilla Scott as Lalandra. Oh my, you are not oh. kidding. Trivia for this. As Trish Tibley reports on the events, the symbol on the news van behind her is that of J3 Communications, the broadcast company owned by J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man, the animated That's series. Right. Yeah. Originally, a whole pantheon of Marvel superheroes were to make cameos in this episode to bid farewell to Professor X. However, this was cut down to just the X-Men because of time constraints and money, (laughs) probably. Yeah. In the comics, Genosha's location has been depicted as far as off the southeastern African coast. However, according to the map Cyclops is consulting in this episode, Genosha is located in the Mediterranean Sea. Hmm. In this episode, Henry Peter Gyrick has black hair instead of brown hair, and he no longer wears glasses. Mm. This episode actually was loosely based upon the Uncanny X-Men uh, number 200 from 1986, in which a dying Xavier is saved by Lalandra, taking him to where he is fully healed but cannot return. Mm. So we can't blame this fully on a deus ex machina. Yeah. And finally, the last bit of trivia I have for X-Men the Animated Series is that this episode is the last episode. Yes. Or was it? I, I thought the uh the uh the sinister episode was the last one. No, this was the last one. Ah, uh, never mind then. The last four episodes were out of order, no matter how you look at mm-hmm. them. And and uh this one and it because uh, in the original original it was set up, it actually went descent, then one of the ones from last week. Yeah. Then the other one, the first one of that O's two. Yeah. I don't remember what episodes we reviewed last week. <laughs> and then the and then graduation day. Yeah, it was like old friends and yeah. Oh, I can't remember the other one because it was well, old soldiers and old uh, soldiers. That's and right. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's been it's been a week. Yes, it has. So yeah. Last episode of X-Men the animated series, though not the last one we're reviewing. Yes. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I was not expecting this to end on a sad note. Because I will be honest with you, after having watched the last five seasons of this show, as Professor Xavier is, you know, saying his goodbyes to each one of his X-Men, yeah. I was getting choked up despite the fact I was wishing the animation was a lot better. You're not kidding. At least the audio in this one, unlike the last episode, was listenable. Yeah, you're not kidding. Anyway, the, this episode was—I I, was—I was cringing because they're again, I, the animation throws me off beyond belief with this with this with this season. I understand me like they they tightened down the budget, they went somewhere else. I yes. get it. Uh, the story itself is interesting, but it be like you get this really really good buildup of okay. Xavier has been outed as mutant and now you have mutants versus humans and mm-hmm. you get this massive war is just about to start. And Oh my gosh. 
Like you have this amazing build up. You have, oh, Charles Xavier is not going to do well. We don't know if he's going to make it or not. Okay, you're actually kind of getting choked up with this. And the 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 part that got me more was more uh when they go to Eric Lencher or Magneto. Yeah. And go oh, to him. Wait, I forgot something. Yes, you did. Did I not say I did not say Magneto's name in there? No, you did not. Well, either way. Get over here. Push the button. I am Magneto, master of magnet. <laughs> Admittedly, I had to reorder these to make it all make sense, and I may have skipped over him. Sorry, Magneto. <laughs> don't kill. Don't 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 kill me. I don't have any metal in my body. Really? You don't think except, you have... except for the iron in my blood, but yeah. it's not too much iron. Have, have you seen X Men Two X Two? That's why I said it's not too much iron. Okay, but uh the that scene in particular where they 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 go and track down magneto the the whole enchilada trying to get to him and they finally confront him with you know what's going on and uh you know magneto's be like be like yes my time has finally come we can destroy the humans and it's like be like uh the the x-men persuade him to go and help his 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 only friend mm-hmm. and i thought that was so touching because it was like you know eric has finally his moment has finally arrived and he's like I, I have to save my my own yes. my only beloved friend and he does it and i was like wow this is i mean like that scene hit me more than the sappy of the he's saying goodbye to the x-men i'm like wait a minute you're charles xavier this is a cartoon you are not going to die and then it was like the last episode i mean it was it wasn't the fact that he was going to die that got me it was he's finally actually he's saying goodbye no matter what yeah yeah yeah. and and he's saying some good things but there was a point when he got storm and i go and i'm and i was going no and you've gotten over your claustrophobia no wait no you haven't (laughs) yeah why are you in a room then? <laughs> anyway. Why are you in a room with a full of people? Uh that that'll never get old. That'll never get old. Uh wait. Claustrophobic much? <laughs> wait till the next episode. Oh. We're reviewing. I've got a I've got a joke. Oh crow. Either or be like I, I, it was it was touching in a way that be like you see that he's finally like not finally, be like they don't betray uh Xavier as bad as he is in the comics or whatever. Because if you like deep down be like, oh my gosh, this guy was not a good dude. No, and, he wasn't. And they really started going worse and worse with him as time went on. Uh-huh. That's why I like the Xavier in this show and in the movies so much better. Yeah, exactly. Than the actual Xavier in the comics where it's like, dude's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I find it touching, but at the same time be like, I'm watching this animation. I'm like, oh gosh, can we go back to season two? Animation Please? was three and plot that down it gets so much more impactful and then you get the uh lalandra lalandra yeah lalandra's day six makita kind of uh come in at the last minute because they need magneto to boost uh xavier's powers which which both is weird it is this is something he can do with his powers and yet i also it also makes sense yeah in a way in a way because I'm assuming it only works with psychics and telekinetics, but I guess either way, but it was like the, the way they explained it made more made sense. But 
the like overall i enjoyed where magneto has to choose does he choose what he desires to do or do he choose what he needs to do mm-hmm. and i'm i'm hoping and praying what they do with x-men 97 because obviously magneto is in the show obviously yeah He's one of the confirmed returning characters. Yeah, he's one of the returning characters. Uh, I, I I did find it like I did find it cheesy, the the way it ended. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, they're looking fondly as the Shi'ar ship goes off. Be like, oh, I'd be like, I may be leaving you, but I won't leave you in spirit. I'm like, okay, that's cheesy. It's good, but it's so cheesy. Yeah, but it's like it's it wasn't a great send off. I thought they could have done better. Uh, there again, the animation in this season is so poor. It's not even funny. I like, granted, there, there, there are some little, yeah, little spots here and there. Like the very beginning of season five, it looks amazing, and, and then it just it, gets worse and it worse. It just degrades and degrades and degrades and degrades, and it's just like, oh my gosh! I hate to say it, but the season four finale was better. Yeah, than this. Yes, granted, this is more heartfelt, more touching. Yeah. But you're talking about ending like a show that kids, the most successful generation, a generation of kids love. It went on for five seasons, four seasons, four to five seasons. Cartoons don't go that long normally. No. And yet, and and granted, you took it, you take a risk ending it on the sadder episode. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I kind of wanted a nice fight. Yeah, I agree. That's what I kept thinking. And that's what was so good about the ending of season four, the Beyond Good and Evil, I think was the name of the episode. The four-part episode. Yeah. (laughs) Where it's like every villain the X-Men has ever fought is teaming up together. Yeah. Including the one who was only a villain for two episodes and then became a good guy for most of the show. Yeah. Magneto. (laughs) Uh, But it's like, I, I, I... and he still wasn't a villain in that. He was actually like their inside mole on that episode. Yeah, he he was but, just, he was trying to get to trying to resurrect his love or something like that. Still, it's just like it's eh. a far better conclusion. And yeah, there, and this, uh, this this last season has just been so like blah. directionless. Yeah, exactly. It's really what it's felt like because. And granted, this is a good ending for the show. It's just not the ending I wanted. And a part of me does kind of hope that either a, they rectify some of this in X-Men 97 Mm -hmm. when they start that first season, or maybe they just drop every this season, this season from continuity. Yeah. One of the two, I'd take either one. Okay. Because honestly, if you dropped it, you're not losing much. No, you're not. The only episode, only episode that I thought was done like the only memorable episode from this season in my mind is old soldiers where we get Wolverine and Captain America fighting together, which is awesome. Keep that. Show me more of that, please. But the rest of this, you're not losing much by by this falling out of continuity. So, but this episode specifically, uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was, even though it was very much a, it was a build up to nothing. Yeah, agreed. It felt like it, it felt like it was a it was kind of leading to something and then just dropped it at the end. Granted, 
it's not it's supposed to be a sad episode say we're we're saying goodbye to the show basically Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like uh this is i want to go out with a bang i don't want to go out with a whimper and this felt like i was going out with a whimper yeah agreed and not because it's a sad episode yeah it's just it's not even really done that well yeah agreed. so especially if you go to the trouble of bringing back Gyrick, who we haven't seen since season two. Yeah. So I mean, like, I didn't realize it was Gyrick when, yeah, when we showed they, him. No, like, they never say his no, they do say his name at they one do, point. They do say it's Gyrick, but but I was like, this doesn't even look this like could have been character. anybody. Yeah. It's like you, you could have said this was Joe Schmo for all that mattered. Yeah. But yeah, because be like you you have this great tension with the B plot, and the B plot is completely dropped. Yeah, completely. Because they're now we're like, we've got to save Magneto. We got to save Professor Xavier. And then now I will say I appreciate them bringing Morph back. Yeah. As much as Morph is not my favorite character, right? He's yeah, Morph. You're so funny. He started the show with the group. It made sense for him to be there at the end. Yeah. Even if it was just a cameo appearance. Yeah. Be like so. I I enjoy it where Charles is like you know giving uh credit where credit is due with all the characters Mm -hmm. and be like oh you finally found a home you're finally home be like you 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 discovered this you discovered this yeah and uh it was more the the animation was more like when he dies i'm like everyone's like oh boohoo you know a lot of gonna show up you know she's at that gonna point show up. at that point you know it's like yeah it's gonna be at the last minute so it is still kind of a deus ex machina but he is still saying goodbye but yeah it's almost like we we're pushing this death thing until the end, but because we're Saban and no one can die, they can only be destroyed. Well, yeah. Andre is going to show up in the last minute. Granted, this was in the book it's based on, yeah. but it really feels like that was a last minute addition to connect, make that connection. Cause this is mostly an original story where he just gets hurt and mm-hmm. is going to die if they can't save him. Yeah. So granted, I've not read X-Men 200, so there could be the whole thing with Magneto, having to come in and boost his brain waves to somehow make that connection mm-hmm. with Lalandra. Yeah. I don't know, but either way that brings us to the end of our coverage of X-Men, the animated it's series. Serious. But oh next yes. week, yay, we are going to be looking at, uh, mostly cause we didn't want to jump into Evangelion for two episodes. Mm-hmm. And then have a break yes. <laughs> for Thanksgiving. Come back. We decided, and we talked about doing prior to the X Men. Yes, early in the beginning, but weren't sure where to put it. Yeah, I stuck it right here to finish out November because, mm-hmm. let's face it, it's going to be fun watching Toei animated X Men. Yes, agreed. It's the question is: Is this technically considered an anime? Because boy, does this look like Dragon Ball. And in some ways, yes. <laughs> Grant, it's been a, a hot minute since I've seen Pride of the X Men. Oh yes, yes. I, I've I watched it today, and I and I swear I had seen it before. Yeah, because there's parts of this I remember, and I think I even like had it read like a. I think I had the comic of this back in the day. I don't know what happened to it, but I think I did. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, next week we are doing the original X Men anime. Pride of the X-Men. I have to say original because there was a more recent uh, X-Men anime series that came out. That's true. With the Marvel anime series. But anyway, join us next week for that. Uh, Along with, of course, our final movie of Miyazaki and Ghibli Month, uh, The Secret World of Arietti. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. 
and we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox at Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at G. George 759. His Twitter at G. George 759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs>